I'm gonna make you cry. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make you cry. Well, probably not, but maybe you'll make other people cry. It might make me cry. <laughs> you make yourself cry. That's probably actually likely. This is true. Welcome aboard Stowaways to this episode of Seminary Stowaways. I'm Hannah Connor, your host, and I'll soon be joined by my co-host Luann Riley. Today, Luann is going to share with us what she's been learning in seminary about lament as a spiritual discipline. We come at this topic from very different angles. Luann talks about the challenge of coming before God when we're a mess and points to the Psalms for precedent. And my view is that God's a big boy and he can handle the worst that I can throw at him. So stay tuned. But first, I want to introduce you to Luann Riley. Luann grew up in Alabama but got to Texas with her husband Justin as fast as she could. She left her ladder climbing gig in corporate America for a full-time job in ministry seven years ago, and she's the former discipleship director of a large Houston area church. She's currently pursuing a Master of Arts in Theology while wrangling her twin boys. She has a passion for hoodie sweatshirts, non-dairy creamer, books that make her cry, and Alabama football. I want to introduce you to my friend, Hannah. Hannah is currently a communications manager for an anti-child trafficking organization, and I happen to know she's a pretty fantastic wife and mom. Her family just moved back to the U.S. after doing missions in the U.K. for the past three years. She's an Enneagram 5, so naturally she loves detective stories and TV. She has a degree in creative writing and has worked in church ministry or parachurch ministry for the past eight years. Just a quick note before we get started, you may have heard us refer to our Enneagram numbers on the podcast. A friend of the pod pointed out that might be confusing to people who aren't familiar with the Enneagram. The Enneagram is simply a model of the human psyche where nine numbers represent different and interconnected personality types. Luann is an eight called the challenger protector type. I'm a five, which is the investigator observer. If you're interested in learning more, I suggest you Google it. Or I know one test you can do online is at enneaapp.com. It's E-N-N-E-A-A-P-P.com. Obviously, the Ennea app people have never heard of this podcast. I only mention them because they have what I think is a good quiz. That's not too long. So when you're talking about five and eight or calling each other by that, that is what we're referring to. Okay, now on to business. Hey, friend. Hey, friend. You ready to do this? Let's do it. Let's do it. What are we going to be talking about today? So today we're going to continue talking about spiritual disciplines. And today we're going to talk about the spiritual practice of lament. That sounds a bit heavy. A little bit. I'm a bit nervous. Don't be. I'm sure you'll laugh in awkward places. And, <laughs> it won't and be lighten it up. <laughs> and lighten it up a little bit. What resources are we going to be working with? Yeah, so the topic of lament, we looked at a couple of excerpts from a book by Walter Brueggemann titled Praying the Psalms, Engaging Scripture and the Life of the Spirit. Okay. Walter Brueggemann is a scholar? Who is he? Yes, and he is alive. Okay, great. In fact, he is alive. I think in one of our um, unpublished podcasts, maybe our first run, we announced that he was not alive when in fact he is alive. Sorry, Walter. We are we are officially issuing a retraction. <laughs> Walter Brueggemann is alive. 
Walter Brueggemann is a Old Testament scholar, and he is considered to be one of the most influential theologians in the last several decades. And he has written an enormous amount about the Old Testament, which you would assume an Old Testament scholar might do. But he, his, his, his sort of benchmark key works are around the Psalms and around Jewish life and Jewish culture. And so this book, uh, we didn't read the entirety of the book. We just focused on two excerpts that talked about the practice of lament and how we see that modeled for us in the Psalms. Brueggemann is the kind of person that I would expect you to read in seminary because some of his stuff especially his stuff that's about jewishness is dense man it's the kind of reading that i classify as chewy (laughs) but i found his writing around the psalms to be for me new 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 things i didn't things i didn't know or maybe things i hadn't thought of or understood about the Psalms and particularly around lament because I'm going to say right now, I know we've already admitted that I don't know all the spiritual practices or disciplines, but I did not know that lament was a spiritual practice or a spiritual discipline. But when we started talking about lament and how we put that in practice in our own lives as part of a spiritual discipline, this was, this was new for me. Does Brueggemann have a definition of lament? Uh, Brueggemann doesn't have a clearly fine definition of lament, but the definition of lament, if you look it up in the dictionary or in a spiritual uh, thesaurus, is an expression of grief or sorrow. I want to know a little bit more about the spiritual thesaurus you just mentioned. (laughs) What would that be? (laughs) Dan told me to get a theological, you don't even know Dan, so you have to cut this out. I know Dan. Uh, I know, but the people listening don't know Dan. Let's be real. Uh, 99% of maybe them Maybe <laughs> I've used the wrong word. A, a theological dictionary. Okay. That's what it is. Not a spiritual thesaurus. That's <laughs> the Luann, Alabama version of what it is. It is a theological dictionary that I have to keep them right beside me when I'm reading my book. So when I run across a term that I'm not familiar with in seminary, I can quickly just like look up the word and understand what it means and keep reading. Well, that's a hot tip. I need that. Well, there you go. Hot tip. Because when I was reading some of the things from Brueggemann you sent, I felt like, I mean, I, I felt like I understood what he was saying, but I just felt like it had, like I had missed probably, how did he get here? How did we arrive at this concept? Because it seems like the kind of concept where you have to have 50 concepts to build upon to get here. Mm-hmm. And I'm not familiar with those. So I had a lot of that kind of question. Okay, interesting. Good to know. That was sidebar. Yeah. But we learned something about a theological thesaurus. Dictionary. Theological dictionary. And you should have one. known as the spiritual thesaurus. The spiritual thesaurus. (laughs) So if you're going to read Brueggemann, you might want a theological dictionary on hand. Would be helpful. And we are back to the definition of lament, which there is a dictionary definition. Is this the kind of thing where... Did you guys discuss this in class or was it just the reading? Our assignment was to create our own psalm of lament from our personal life and to post that into the class and then to discuss each person's psalm of lament and sort of weigh in and say, 
what you understood about it and sort of encourage each other or to give feedback on this. Mm -hmm. You know, the book that we read by Brueggemann is not a book that's just about lament. It's a book on praying the Psalms. Mm -hmm. And we started by looking at a biblical model of lament found in the Psalms. And I learned some really interesting things about the Psalms that I wasn't familiar with. So I think having a good understanding of that model helps us think rightly about lament. The way that I've approached the book of Psalms is I have a tendency to think of the Psalms as praise. Hmm. And I was interested to find out that there are more Psalms about suffering, death, and destruction than there are Psalms of praise. Mm -hmm. And one of the other things that we talked about also is the word God is the word that's most used in the Psalms. Do you know what the second word is that's most used in the Psalms? Is it why? It's enemies. Hmm. That the Psalms are full of um, oppression or deceit or betrayal or these things that the calling Israelites... Calling people out. Yes, calling people out that the Jews were facing... And so the Psalms, as much as they are notable for praise, they should be even more notable for lament. I feel like that's why I've always gone to the Psalms. Because usually, and the Psalms for me have always been a place where when I read them, I feel like I hear my own feelings or my own struggles. Maybe not with the part that's like shoot a million arrows into my enemies kind of thing. But Although that's like, the part I can get around. That's the, you you love that because you're an eight, <laughs> I'm sure. That's the part I can really get behind. Yeah. But where it's like, why are you so downcast on my soul? Or I've been forgotten or all of these things. And they've always seemed very um, human. Well, Brueggemann talks about that. Um, the th- one of the things that just sort of perspective that I got about the Psalms is the book of Psalms is what you're talking about. It's mainly the voice of people crying out or speaking to God and where most of the other books are God speaking to people, to his people. And Walter Brueggemann calls this the the voice of humanity or this common um, voice of humanity that we join into and you know, one of the hard truths to think about the Psalms is when you think about there being more Psalms of suffering, more Psalms of death and destruction and hard, grief, hard things that we face in life than there are in praise, that lends itself to the truth that there's more suffering in this life. There's more hard things in this life than there are these like happy, joyful praise times. And I think what Brueggemann points out very well is a lot of times we lend ourselves to thinking we should be joyful all the time. We should praise all the time. There should be this happy, bright, shiny version of us all the time because we have Jesus in us. And so what do we do with these feelings that we have as Christians when life is hard, when there's a divorce, when there's cancer? What do we do with those feelings? How do we approach God? How do we how do we wrestle with those things? And that's what the spiritual practice of lament gives us. So it moves beyond sending thoughts and prayers. It does. And it moves into 
the very real struggles that we face and how do you work like how do you work those out with God and you know what I learned as I was practicing lament or writing my psalm of lament or approaching lament is I have practiced lament I just didn't know that's what I was doing Mm. so you know we uh, were pregnant with triplets and we lost our daughter and I have told the story before of just what a crisis moment that was for me and my faith and how I would just go into the nursery and I would just weep at night and I would just cry out to God and I would tell him how unfair it felt and I would tell him um, how much I was struggling and how angry I was and how dare he take mm-hmm. her and I know now that I was lamenting, Mm -hmm. you know? I was bringing those messy, ugly, (laughs) but very real emotions and feelings before God. And that's what the practice of lament is about. That's not something we're very good at, especially corporately in church. I mean, to to be messy on our own is hard enough. And to be honest with ourselves about what our feelings are in the midst of real disappointments um i think can be challenging but especially because i don't feel like i've seen that really modeled like if someone said oh well where would you where would you've learned to lament i would have no no i don't know i don't i i haven't had a grid for that as well and i i, I think that is a blind spot for the american church I really mm-hmm. do. And I don't want to say the American church in general, because let me tell you something I found really interesting in my class. There was one pastor in the class who is an African-American pastor. And he, many of us were expressing as white evangelicals, reformed Protestant, um, this very thing that like lament has not been part of what we understood in our personal spiritual life or in our corporate worship in our churches and he pointed out to us which was very convicting for me um that lament is like coursing through the veins of the african-american church because Mm. they were slaves Mm-hmm. And they faced oppression and civil rights and Jim Crow laws and all of these things where when they came to church to get together, it was to lament their current mm-hmm. condition and it was to ask God to free them from their enemies. Mm-hmm. It was asking God to do these things and expressing grief for their brothers and sisters who died, mm-hmm. um, expressing anger towards the way that they were being treated. And so lament is a, sort of a defining part of worship for the culture in the African-American church in a way that it's not in the white evangelical church. And we've our privilege is, I think, sort of a blind spot for us in terms of how we really lament and wrestle things together. Yeah. yeah. I've heard my, my friend Kyle say that rap music is like a modern day mm-hmm. lament. Yeah. Which sort of makes sense because so many, the way that you express yourself when you're being raw and honest, not just what you say, but the way are the things that were like, no, 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 that's not okay. Like, put that away. That's not, that's mm-hmm. not all right. That's not tidy. That's not nice or polite. 
and we want to clean everything up. And I think a lot of us feel that way about the personal practice of lament. I know for me, I, where you say that you've run to the Psalms to be honest, I have struggled to be honest with the Lord when I have feelings um, that aren't happy or joyful or thankful or grateful. I really have had to learn how to be honest before the Lord. And I think for years I felt like I have to dress myself up into some bright, shiny version of myself to be good enough to come and pray. And then I have to sterilize my prayers or to make them fake. And because I don't want to be fake, so what I do is just avoid praying until I can figure out how to get it all together. Because to come before the Lord when I'm feeling angry about an injustice or something that He's done or something that's happened to me, I don't know what to do with those feelings. I don't know how to, I haven't known how to be that honest. So I'd rather just not, I'd rather just not pray. That's so not what I would expect because you're so good with confrontation. And I am a like, not terrible at confrontation, but just don't really like sit in my feelings. But with God, I've never had any hesitation to let him know exactly what a terrible job I think he's doing in my life and in the lives of other people he's ruining. And I mean, if I had, if I ever spoke to anyone in my actual life, the way that I've spoken to God, I would have no, they would have divorced me or stopped being my friend. And I just always felt like it's been important to me, a core belief that he can take it, that he is a big boy and he can handle it all. And That's I interesting given it all. Because someone in our class said, can you cross the line with this? Can you cross the line with God? Is there too much honesty? Is there too much you can throw his way where God's like, nope, you've crossed the line now. I can't handle this. No and way. I don't no think way. so either. I, I, I don't think so either. I think God can handle, he wants our real honest feelings. And here's the thing that I think about when I'm avoiding praying to God because I don't want him to know how mad I am at him. Yeah. It's like, it's not like he doesn't already know. It's not like he doesn't already see my heart. It's not yeah. like he's some like seventh grade boyfriend who's like, wonder why Luann is mad at me today. She's not <laughs> speaking to me. I mean, he, he knows. And so what happens when we don't practice lament in our spiritual lives, when we don't give ourselves room to be honest with God, is that we lose authenticity in our relationship mm -hmm. with Him. We lose intimacy with Him because we are not being honest and real with God. We are not bringing our pure, unfiltered heart yeah. to Him. And that's what He wants. That's like and relationship so, killer. Yes, we are distancing ourselves mm -hmm. from God when we don't practice lament. I feel like the only one of the ways that I have stayed um, a believer from when I was young to now is because I have always felt like I can be totally honest. And I think for me, my struggle with honesty has been I was such, I was so far gone. I was so rebellious. I was so <laughs> lost and he saved me and he gave me this 
mercy and this grace that I don't deserve. So mm-hmm. how dare I yeah. question yeah. anything that he's doing? I should grovel and be grateful for the rest of my life that he saved me from myself. Mm-hmm. So I should be okay with whatever he does. Like that's mm. the sort of gratitude and servitude that I should live in, which is not true. Right. That is not <laughs> that is not biblical truth. He freely gives yeah. these things. And he didn't save you to be a servant. Yeah. But like full heir. Yeah. A daughter. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think some of that perspective changed for me when I had kids. And I was like, oh, I'm not expecting them to live some life of, you know, servitude towards oh, me because mother. I'm thank lo- you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> loving them so freely and so deeply. But I mean, I think I'd, I'd, I'm sure a lot of people have difficulty with lament. I have difficulty because I don't like sitting in my feelings. You have difficulty because you think, well, I just should be grateful. There shouldn't be any place for this. What, what can you do? to try to grow if it's a discipline it's like you practice you grow in it you know there were people who had to so as we wrote our psalm of lament to practice the spiritual practice of lament there were people in my class that struggled to write a psalm of lament because they said they've never suffered they've never experienced uh the grief or heartache or sorrow or suffering that many of us in the class talked about that we had felt my long journey with my headaches it felt ever-ending losing a child the sin that I have been involved in in my past just there I have many things that I yeah, can draw. I don't even have big things but I still I got plenty draw they these feelings to- from they couldn't draw a a feeling and so some of the practice was to then lament on behalf of someone else and I think that's an important practice too is to say what does it look like to cry out to God on behalf of someone else what does it look like to put that into practice and to to be in suffering with someone else well I think that's strange if you can't get sad about your own life then I don't think you are good enough at being sad to be sad about my life. Like, find some issues that you can so feel sad about. So you should about. pray and ask God to bring sad things into no, your life. No, you should stop being in denial <laughs> and stop, like, trying to clean up. I, I completely reject the idea that, that people are like, oh, but no, do I don't you, know, there's nothing. But do you remember that video that we watched? So this man who is in ministry in the Church of England, in the Anglican Church, is talking about lament in the Psalms in this video and he recalls a time when he was younger and his mentor who was I think the rector of this area they were in a meeting together and they were going to work on a new liturgy and this man at his the ripe age of 19 said well let's just get rid of the psalm of lament like that's pointless we don't need that and his mentor looked at him and gave him this really stern look and said one day you will need the psalms and he talked about not getting it not understanding that at all until later in his life, I think it was his wife was faced with a really debilitating chronic illness. And he said he would, he was so distraught and didn't know what to do. He would be up at night and he would leave and go downstairs and sit on the couch and be crying out before God. And he realized in that moment that what he was doing was lamenting and he was, he needed the Psalms and those words of his, of the rector came back to him and he remembered. 
You know, one of the readings that we did in addition was talking about the lament in a worship service or lament in part of corporate worship and what it feels like on a Sunday in most churches is this joyful, full of praise, happy and bright environment. Everyone's so happy to be here and you're dressed up and you're smiling, you're doing all of this. But the reality is not everyone feels that on a mm-hmm. Sunday. Yeah. And that we do a disservice to people when we don't create space to lament as part of corporate worship whether every person in there is suffering now there's moments where like there's like big events let's just say like hurricane harvey here in houston Mm -hmm. that was a time for us to lament corporately and we did we we had a beautiful prayer service and came around those who were affected but on an average sunday we tend to be more towards this idea of this praise culture when there are people who are coming every sunday who are broken and suffering and grieving and they don't feel this bright happy shiny version that we put on so what does it look like to include psalms of lament or space for lament or prayers to wrestle with those feelings on sunday and i think that's as important as practicing it in your personal life as a Mm -hmm. spiritual practice is to practice it corporately as well. And that models for people that it's okay to struggle, mm-hmm. that there's nothing wrong with you if you've come here today and you're like, I'm not like these people. Right. This is not what's happening inside of me. Yeah. Clearly, I must not have enough faith. Mm-hmm. Well, it yeah. can be because it can go that way where people look around and say, oh, these people are so happy. What's wrong with me? Or I don't belong here. But then also what I feel is happening in our culture more now is we realize that in general mostly people are not okay in some way and Mm -hmm. so what it feels like it feels like false Mm -hmm. it feels super fake when all we do is hit one note over and over and over because now we know enough that we're like okay well i know everybody's not having but somebody a lot of these people are struggling and to not make any room for that I think adds to this idea of like great hypocrisy Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in the church. But at the same time, I mean, I can say that, but then I don't want to go to a church service where like everybody's crying and everybody wants to hold hands. And do you know, you know what I do when I'm like in a place like that? Don't go to church. Yeah, I don't go. I don't go. I I can't do it. I can't dress myself up and put a big Mm -hmm. smile on my face and pretend like everything's okay. I just can't. So I just don't go. And I don't know that, I don't know that that's the right answer. I just, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just um, feel like we have to embrace lament um, as much as we embrace the other spiritual disciplines or practices that we so easily go to. What would that even look like? I mean, what do you, like at the beginning of the service, would you be like, hey, if you come here and this is like, this isn't working for you, what's going on here? Then we have this, somebody can pray with you right now. Go over here. Like, what would you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Times of prayer. Um, in a worship song, you could do a song that is more of a song of lament and read a scripture, like read one of the Psalms mm-hmm. of lament. Um, have moments where you come forward if you need prayer for certain things. Um just touching on some of those rather than striking the same note i think is how this guy put it one of the things that i liked about 
the video that we watched with that guy from the Church of England, he talked about how the Psalms are like God permissioning us to protest before him. And because we have them, we know that God's inviting us to be honest and real and to come before him even yeah. in the times where we're, where we're struggling. Yeah, you know, uh, Brueggemann has something in this Praying the Psalms book that I found to be incredibly helpful in um, understanding uh, lament, but also sort of putting words into things that I have felt, these rhythms that I've felt in my own life. And he calls it the flow of equilibrium. But he basically talks about how there's sort of these three flows of equilibrium, these three rhythms where we're securely oriented and then there's a disruption. Something becomes disruptive and then we securely reorient again. But this disruption that we feel in our life is that's what the Psalms are of lament are birthed out of and disruption in our life is what causes these feelings of grief and struggle that we have to deal with. And so if I think about it in my own life, how many times, oh my goodness, even the last year that I've been secure in this place or this position that I'm in and something major has happened and I have become disoriented. This disruption in my life has caused me to second guess things. It's called me to grieve. It's caused me to question God. It's called me to anger. And so that's this disruption in our lives is why we need lament. And so God is giving us permission to approach him in the Psalms of lament. And Brueggemann has this quote. It says that for most of us, liturgical or devotional entry into the Psalms requires a real change of pace. It asks us to depart from the closely managed world of public survival to move into the open, frightening, healing world of speech with the Holy One. It reminds me of just the, the formula for how people experience change, which is, I think, thesis, antithesis, and synthesis. And I love the way that Brueggemann puts it because he says that we move from, what did he say, like a public survival mm-hmm. mode? I just feel yeah. like that's such a gracious way yeah. to say it instead of being like, when you guys are ready to stop being fake, it's not just necessary, but healing even to venture mm-hmm. in to lament. Although it's sort of confounding, I would think, to know how to begin to do that. So if I were to practice this discipline. I just read some sad psalms and get real worked up about my life tragedies. (laughs) I mean, you could. I don't think it would be super productive. Um, The, if you're following the model of lament found in the psalms, there are just patterns that typify Typify, is that a word? Mm-hmm. Yes. If I come up with another word. No, that's it. Um, there are patterns that are typical of psalms of lament. And those psalms include pieces of, of adoration about God and stating who He is and crying out to Him. But one of the things I found the most challenging about writing my own psalm of lament is that the psalms of lament are very specific. You name your complaint. What is it? What is the anger, pain, heartache, or sadness 
that you feel. And you have to be very specific in naming that. And then not only does it make how you feel, but how does that make you feel about God? Uh, Naming your distrust or Mm -hmm. naming your anger. And then to try and put into a metaphor about how it's making you feel. You know, the metaphor that I used for my headache journey when I was writing my own psalm of lament is that it felt like I was on in a in a room that had no door to exit mm-hmm. or that I was on this long road that had no end. And that's how I felt when I had a headache every day for five years. I was like, God, where are you? You Clearly, I am hidden from your sight. Mm-hmm. You cannot see me right now because you could heal me and you don't. So let me tell you how that makes me feel about you. You're silent and you could do something. And so when I was writing this psalm and I was using this time of my headache, then the hardest part for me wasn't that to write some like generic prayer about, Lord, I am so sad. I wish you would take my sadness away. Or I'm so frustrated. I don't want to be frustrated anymore. But it's getting real specific in your time with God. It's saying this situation makes me feel this way about myself or the situation or another person. Because let's remember that the Psalms... (laughs) The Psalms are full of people speaking about their enemies. And a lot of our suffering or brokenness is relational in this life. Mm -hmm. You know, there's real relational brokenness. And so if you have to name something that another person is making you feel and what inside you really want God to do to that person, that's, that's hard to be honest about. But that's what the Psalms of lament or the process of lament in your life um, requires that you do to get to the most honest place that you can before the Lord. It's hard to write something and then you read it and you're like, well, I know this isn't like technically okay to say. Mm-hmm. When you'd be like, and I hope that something terrible happens to them. I hope they get a really hot chili in their eye. <laughs> I was just going to say another one, but one that was legitimately terrible, so I changed it. See? I hope they get bit by a mosquito. See, that's On their lips. Not- Oh, gosh. And so besides naming that, too, it's like asking God specifically what you want me, want him to do in this situation. You're telling and me to pray your, for God to your destroy people? desire. Yeah. You're being honest with him in that moment. If that's what you really feel, if you really want him to bring down the thunder upon your neighbor, you're supposed to name it. But only if that's what's really in your heart. So it's more about and honesty, not about like... This is a prayer you're going to pray forever. Yes. It's more about honesty and it's more as you get towards the end of your lament, you then turn back to the um, assurance that God hears you and that he loves you. And so you say things like, um, I know that you hear me, Lord. I trust you. I don't understand this, but I know that you are good. And you finish your lament with affirmations about who God is and his character and what you know to be true about him. Well, I don't know about that part. I mean, not all of the Psalms ended well. They didn't all pull back up, you know? No, they don't all. They don't all. Um, And what if I don't feel like that? What if I don't? What if that's not how I... Because listen, I'm, I'm realizing that this is actually a spiritual discipline I'm really good at. I've got this one and I've got the hot dog one. But I'm really good at being honest with God Killing and telling it. him exactly what I think of things. 
but I don't feel like I ever have this compulsion to tidy it up at the end. What I do think is, what I have always felt is important, though, is that I give him a chance hmm. to answer me. Yeah. And that I, like, stay and, and he, listen. Because even in Job, at the end, he doesn't. Like, when he complains, it's all complaint until God answers. And then in response to God's response, in response to his response. And then Job realizes the truth. But it's God that reminds Job of the truth. That's how I feel. Like, mm-hmm. when I am in mm-hmm. a really bad place, sometimes I can't. Someone will be like, but I know you're good. I don't. It's hard to get there. All I can do is be like, you may speak now. It's your turn. I will listen. I think the danger that can exist if you don't. So you said, I might not feel that way about God. And I get that. But your feelings about God, there's truth about God that are not your feelings. I know you said that they all don't come back up. But let me just let you know that they all do except one. Psalm 88. Which I'm sure you're clinging to as your one exception to the rule. But lament is so important because we can be honest before God and we can bring our honest feelings before God. But there is a part of lament that the practice of expressing trust or goodness or assurance and who God is is important because... You may not be feeling certain things about God, but they are true about God. And what lament does is it brings us a place to sur- of surrender where we say, God, I cannot fix this, but I know you can. You, God, are the only person who can rescue, redeem, heal, restore. Only you can do it. And so when we bring our honest feelings and we, we get super on, honest and we detail all these things out and we tell God specifically what we want to do, then we express assurance that He is sovereign and that we are bringing our heart and our cares to Him because He is the one who can be trusted with them. Where is the crossover between lament and doubt? Because the things that I have genuinely lamented in my life are... I have lamented things that make me sad or that I know I'm up or that I realize, okay, I'm working through this. Those have been legitimate times of lament, but there have also been times where I feel like I can't see my way through this. And there have got to be people out there. I mean, I'm sure you've had those moments where you're like, I don't know what's on the other side of this. What does our relationship look like on the other side of this moment, God? Because I'm trying really hard to reconcile what you have allowed to happen with who I thought you were. So deepest moments of lament to me have always been mixed with questions about, is God who I thought he was? And it's hard in those moments to reestablish, to just telling yourself what you've always said doesn't cut it for that. And I think that what you're putting your finger on in terms of the honest feelings that you're feeling about God is true because lament does give us a place to wrestle our doubts and it does give us a place to put our finger on that is what we are feeling. But lament combats doubt by expressing truths that you know to be true about God in your head, but maybe not in your heart right now. It is a practice. It is a spiritual discipline. 
And the reason that lament is considered a spiritual discipline is because it takes discipline to combat doubt and fear and anxiety with God's truth. And that is why it's so important that when you lament, you're not just lamenting alone, that yes, you get before God and you write out these prayers and you tell him how you feel and you bring it before him and you create space for him to move in your heart and to heal, but that you also are bringing those lament cries into community and by sharing them with other people. Because if a season of lament goes on and on, you know it can be weary and Mm -hmm. it can be dark. And God doesn't want us to enter into those periods alone. And even when we can't believe God, other people can believe God for us and other people can speak truth. And I know you know that's true because in my life, I've told you so many times, I can't even pray for this anymore. Like I've said Mm -hmm. that to you and you said, well, that I'm going to pray it for you. And so far in my headache journey and so many things I've been battling with my life where I feel like I have lamented Mm -hmm. for years. Mm -hmm. There are people in my life who are praying where I feel like I have grown weary and praying. And so Mm -hmm. lament, I think, is something that you wrestle with, that you make it a discipline, and that you bring it before other people. Mm. I guess the discipline part of that is incorporating this truth-telling practice. And if it is truth-telling, if honesty is the part of that, then you have to be honest even about the things you don't feel in the moment. So you can be honest about what you feel, but you also have to be honest when you don't feel it. And what I'm thinking of, the moments I'm thinking of, I guess would be sort of like the dark night of the soul moments where you do have to reach out for that community. And I think it's significant that that Psalm is there. Psalm 88, that one is there because the truth is that in those times where we can't pull it back up or where lament is so deep or so significant that it pushes us down into a doubt that we can't quite see our way out of that's you're saying that's when the community that should already be in place in our life will stand in the gap for us and finish that truth telling component of lament there's truth about god that are not your feelings and his truth is in his word and his truth is in his character and his truth is in who he's proven himself faithful to be and when you don't include part of that If your lament season goes on for a long time, I do think it, especially if you're alone, especially if you're not practicing this in community, especially if you're not having voices speak into you that says this is what truth is, you can circle the drain and start listening to yourself and your feelings Mm -hmm. in a way that aren't helpful or, or healthy. And so... You know, I I talked about um, community just there, but lament as a spiritual practice, not only corporately, but but personally, but lament is meant to be, I mean, it's meant to be shared Mm -hmm. with people. Um, And I think that's an important part of lament. So if you're asking today, you're listening to this, you're like, "How, how, how do I even begin to incorporate the practice of lament? I would say, set aside time, sit before the Lord, Ask him to reveal your feelings and your heart and to be honest and to start just writing down what comes to mind and heart, no matter whether or not it looks and sounds pretty. Mm -hmm. Start naming those things. Get your prayer of lament written out and then share it with someone in your life. There is actually, I think I told you about a little while ago, I downloaded this app called Soul Time and it walks you through a couple of like exercises. I think one of them was 
about dealing with disappointment. And I might have even mm-hmm. typed it up and sent you the text You did. From it. You sent it to me and it was beautiful. Yeah. And that really helped me to have, um, to kind of work through what I was feeling, which is confusing and hard to know where to start if you're not like really great at your own feelings. So mm-hmm. that was helpful. Yeah, yeah. So in the show notes, we can link to how to write your own Psalm of Limit. Mm-hmm. We can link to that app um, and other resources that might help you get started on the process of incorporating lament as a spiritual discipline. Awesome. Thank you, Lauren. That's been really helpful. Do you have a um, Do you have a scripture for us today? I do have a scripture for us today, and our scriptural truth comes from Psalms 102, verses 1 and 2. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day when I call. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening, friends. Well, that's it for today. We hope that you've been encouraged, maybe even amused. If you have, we'd love it if you'd leave a raving review for us on iTunes. You can also join us on Instagram at Seminary Stowaways. Thanks so much for listening. And remember, the opinions expressed on this episode belong solely to Hannah or Luann and do not represent the organizations, institutions, churches, or Starbucks baristas in their lives.